think about my, my thought of the day as we, as we enter into this time of worship, I want to start by saying the name Lulu Block. Mrs. Lulu Block was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. She taught Sunday school for over 40 years. She was 85 years old by the time she was teaching me. And she survived even me. And she taught Sunday school, and it was her ministry, it was her work, it was her love. She loved us kids. Uh, the last time I saw her, it was when my older brother, he's also a pastor, too many pastors in my family. Anyways, he uh, was getting ordained, and she was at the ordination. Amazing. Amazing. So Lulu Block, she taught Sunday school. A few years later, I had Mike and Liz Peter. They were my high school youth group volunteer leaders, and they taught me about how much fun a person can have and still be a Jesus person. A little bit later on, I had other people who impacted my life. I had Connie Winter Yulberg and Steve Yulberg. They were our pastors in Fort Collins. They did uh, my wedding. Uh, as Robin and I got married, uh, Connie did the wedding, and Steve was the musician. And then later on, we had all different kinds of people, Dick Jensen, and, and we had uh, uh, Jeff and Jackie Brown, all these people all, who are a part of churches, part of congregations, literally all over the country, who have touched my life. Carol Burns. All these people touched my life, built and poured into me that I could be here today. And you're doing the same thing now. You're doing the same thing now for each other. You're doing the same thing for the seventh graders that we talked about on this retreat. You're doing the same thing for, uh, for people uh, outside who will never walk through the doors of this place. You're doing that now because you're the church. You're the church. You are the hands and feet of Christ. On this annual meeting Sunday, know that this, that this movement, this Jesus movement, continues in you and someday there might be somebody who say, you know what? Here's this person who touched my life, and it's you. So as we get started today, I lift up those names and put them in the space that they might live. And I invite you to do the same. Who are the people that poured into you and showed you what it means to be a follower of Jesus, showed you what it means to be church, empowered you to bring that forward? Thank you. Some of the For today's gospel reading, I invite you to be seated. It's a long one. And uh, because it's a long one, I thought it would be good for us to have two different voices so that you can hear this, this text. I invite you to, it, it's, it's an old story. Uh, they're all old stories in this book, but, uh, but this is one that might be also familiar. So I invite you to hear it as if, for the first time, as, as, as Mike and I uh, share this the story this morning. From Luke chapter 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're talking to each other about all these things that happened. And while they were discussing, Jesus himself came near and he went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. And then one of them, who na whose name was Cleopas, answered him, 
Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart you are to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took some bread, he blessed and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is our lesson for the day. It was in the aftermath of, of World War II, there was a church denomination that uh, was looking to start congregations in, in cities and towns all across the country. So they were doing their research, trying to figure out the best places to start a church. And they went to this one city and they were thinking, well, we'd like to start a church there, so what we're going to need to rent some space to begin with. Uh, so they looked at different schools and different options that were out there, and they discovered there, in fact, was no place that they could rent. So the church, did, the church, national church body did the next best thing that they could, and they bought eight lots in a cornfield. Eight lots in a cornfield, and and they were going to have their church there. And on Palm Sunday. 1953, across the street from Assisi Heights, we had our very first worship service here at Gloria Day. Pastor Joseph Shevland preached a sermon. He moved up here from Chicago to Rochester, and he preached a sermon called, The Kingdom of God Expands Today. And some of you were here, and others of you came shortly thereafter, because this place grew like crazy, and there were building projects, and there were, we had a growing Sunday school, 
So we had to have an education wing, so the education wing was put in. The sanctuary was a, was a later addition. Rochester uh, was growing rapidly. This church was growing rapidly, as was our mission, as was our outreach, as was our work. And this was all happening. And we had, in the years since, ups and downs. We've had times of triumph and utter train wrecks. We have had times of transition and times of stability. We have had members who have come and joined and stayed for the rest of their lives, and we've had other members who have come and stayed for a while and move away. We have some who have died. We have some who have yet to come. We have had an absolute gaggle of pastors, and I do believe that's the technical term. It's a gaggle. Like one pastor is just a pastor, and like two to four is a staff. More than four, it's a gaggle. It's a gaggle of pastors, and we've had so many different staff members in all different kinds of capacities and and different uh, skills and and gifts that they brought to the table. We've had different council, church councils, and different church council presidents over the years. All of this has happened over the past 60, almost 70 years, and we've moved forward, doing our best to discern, to be faithful, and to follow where God is taking us next. This is an annual meeting Sunday in January at the beginning of a new year. It's a natural time for us to look back at the year that has been, look ahead at the year that is to come, and as we look back at this year that has been, what a year. What a year. We have four pastors at this congregation, and then two of them left. And we can celebrate that because they left for reasons that we can be pleased. They're moving on to new adventures and new things. And we can be thankful for the work that they've done and the witness that they brought. Pastor Karna was fresh out of seminary in her first congregation. Was here for for 12 years. When the average stay for a first 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 call pastor right out of seminary is 18 months to 3 years. She was here for 12 That's remarkable, and we're thankful for that. Charles, what was he, a pastor for uh, 45, 90 years? I'm not sure, but he was pastor for a long time, all right? And so he was here for 13, the last 13 years of his time he was here, and what a gift he was, and what a friend and mentor to so many of us. And he gets to retire in good health at the age of 68, and we bless him on his way as well. We are so thankful so thankful for, for, for the ministry that, uh, that Charles and, and Karna offered. And we're in a time of transition now, but look, over the last 60, almost 70 years, we've been here before. We've been here before. We know what to do. We do what we've always done. Discern. Consider where God might be leading. And do our best to be faithful to follow wherever that is, and then on some level live out the message of that sermon from all of those years ago. Allow God's kingdom to expand here in northwest Rochester and far beyond. We're on a journey, but make no mistake, that journey did not start in September when Charles retired. And it did not start in 1953 in a cornfield across from C.C. Heights. 
This is a journey that you and I join as individuals, and we join as a faith community. It's a journey that we join that's already in progress. It's been going on for thousands of years, and none of us are going to live to see the end of it. This is a journey that we get to inhabit part of it, and we get to follow what Jesus began all those years ago, which brings me back to the lesson that you heard Mike and I sharing earlier. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. And each one of these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they get at the story in their own unique kind of way, their own storytelling devices, their own way of of, of sharing. And Luke, thematically, he tells the story like we're walking. It's the story of a journey. It's in, in, this, in this story, they are always walking, but it's part of how he ties the whole thing together. Because the largest portion of the story is chapter, uh, of his ministry is, is from chapters 9 to 19. It's called, in scholarly circles, the travel narrative. And the travel narrative is where the work of Jesus happens. He is on this road. The travel narrative starts on a mountain as there's a transfiguration. And then he begins this road to Jerusalem. And his work, his preaching, his teaching, his miracles, his, all of the work that he does that we say, that's Jesus doing Jesus things, happens on the road. Happens on the journey. It's the travel narrative. What happens once he finally gets to Jerusalem? Oh, you people are way too quiet. What happens when he gets to Jerusalem? He's crucified. He gets killed. A couple days after the fact, we find a couple of his disciples. And what are they doing? They're on the road again. I should be cueing some music here, but they're on the road again. They are making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They had just seen their good friend and teacher be crucified, and they are traveling on the road. And then this stranger comes up to them, walks alongside of them, and they can't even see him. They can't even understand. They can't see him. They talk to him, but they can't see him for who he is. I don't know if it's because their, their eyes are clouded by grief that their life is so full of, of sadness. I don't know why they can't see him. But Christ comes alongside of these two and they are talking and they are sharing uh, uh, the story of what took place. Eventually they get together, they share a meal. And as soon as they share a meal, their eyes are open and they can see Christ for who he is. They discover that Christ was actually with them the entire time. Now, the next chapter of the story, the one that we're not necessarily covering today because they gave me a time limit, um, but the next chapter of the story is that Christ sends them on another journey. He says, go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And the rest of the New Testament spends its time talking about this next journey. That journey is encompassed in the rest of the New Testament and the rest of human history. Because that journey continues. Today, that journey continues through you and me. That journey never ends. 
And that is Luke's great teaching. It's underneath the text. It's, it's, it's here, and we need to be reminded that this work is enormous, and it's going to stretch forever, and you're not going to finish it. And if you get hooked on finishing it, and what it will look like, and when you're going to get there, it's not going to happen, and you're not going to do the work. What we get to think about this morning, what we get to think about is this. What small piece are you going to do today? What small piece are you going to do today? Friends, the timeline of Gloria Day, it's still being written. The story of this faith community has its origins from thousands of years ago, the story of the, which means that the story of this place happened before any of us got here. It will continue after we're gone. We get to inhabit a part of that story, a part of that timeline. And what will we do with our time while we're here? What will we do with that, our time while we're here? At this moment, as we sit here on the cusp of a, of a new year, I don't know how we are going to answer that. But just a couple of things to kind of frame how we might think about that. And it's this. Next, please. We need to remember that Christ walks with us. Because in my life, a lot of times I feel like the, the disciples in that Bible story on the road to Emmaus, that I'm, I'm going along and I am, I've, I don't know if I've got my blinders on um, or, or what, but I can't even see that Christ is alongside of me. I think that's true of us as individuals. I think it's true of us, as, it's true of whole communities, right? We have blinders on. We're blinded by our grief or our successes or the logistics of life or the stress or whatever it is. We don't see that Christ has been there the entire time. And yet that's what we need to remember. Christ walks with us. The other thing I want to remember is this. As a faith community, we are one. We are one. Statistically speaking, Gloria Day is one of the largest congregations in the ELCA. That's a fact. We are one of the largest congregations in the ELCA. And as a result, we have a ton of things going on around here. I'm looking up at the choir. We've got a choir that sings. We've got a band that plays downstairs. We've got three different worship services that feed and provide a worship for people from different walks of life and different, uh, different needs. We have ladies' circles. We have men's Bible study. We have theology pub. We have Sunday school and confirmation and youth group and mission and outreach and threads. We've got the, the sustenance fund. The list goes on and on and on. And we all plug in in different ways as a part of this faith community. We all kind of latch on. We say, that's my thing or this is my thing. And there, but, I, but I, we have diverse tastes and, and, and needs as far as how we live out our faith. But I want, what I want to say is that we have unity in our diversity. We are one congregation. We are one faith community. We are one Gloria Day. With all of the stuff that happens, we are one. Christ walks with us. We are one. And finally, 
We all have something to share. We all have something to share. I don't care if you're the newest, most freshly made baby that just got baptized. Or if you're one of our more seasoned members. Or if you're somewhere in between. Regardless of whether you were here in the cornfield back in 1953, or you walked through the door for the first time today, we all have gifts. We all have something to share. We all have something to bring on this journey. Because we do this together. Because Christ walks with us. Because we are one. And we all have something to share. I'd like to wrap up this time by sharing just one last thing. I was watching a movie the other day. A movie that came out years and years ago. And I was wondering if it actually still held up. So I wanted to, you know, because you know there are those movies out there that you loved and then you watch it again you're like, kind of dated. This movie holds up. It came out 30 years ago. It's Dead Poets Society. And if you haven't watched it, it's been a while, watch it again. If you haven't watched it yet, it's been 30 years. Come on now, what are you waiting for? Um, But this movie, it's it's wonderful. Robin Williams stars in it as a as a teacher of poetry at a boarding school for young men. And he gets them together, and he is teaching them in this iconic scene why and how we, we learn poetry. So I'd like to, in closing, share this, because I think this has one last lesson to teach us today. Check this out. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? The powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on and we may contribute a verse. The journey that Jesus began thousands of years ago, it continues. The journey continued as a group of people met across the street in a cornfield from Assisi Heights. The journey continues today. It began before we got here. It'll be here after we go. The journey, the story, the timeline continues. And we may contribute a verse. 
What will our verse be?